0: travelers, hearthians, and anyone who is as in love with Outer Wilds as I am. Welcome to a new episode of the Indie Diaries podcast, the first special episode, which I'm going to name a footnote, just because of diaries, footnotes, the literary reference there is, of course, uh, pretty clear, at least it is to me, but anyway, this episode is with a narrative designer of outer wilds herself kelsey beecham and speaking to you today is anthony l wolf your loyal indie diarist writer narrative designer and senior content manager for social media now this episode is a great one I won't I'm not gonna lie I loved it I loved speaking to Kelsey and uh, I won't take too much time from you just know that it's going to feature some questions from the community so thank you so much to the beautiful amazing and supportive Outer Wilds subreddit who's just chipped in with loads of questions I wish I could have asked Kelsey all of them but I tried to um find the more interesting ones as well as the most popular ones so yeah but just a quick note for me, community questions are sprinkled all around the episode and they start at about minute 33 or so. So if you don't hear your question, please stay until the end because it may appear at some point. Now, before we jump into the actual episode, one small announcement for me. I have opened the Indie Diarist Discord server, the official server. You can find the link to the server on the theindiediarist.com. So if you want to join a small as of yet because i just opened it this month but positive and inclusive little indie game loving community i would be delighted to have you on board but now i know why you're here footnote number one kelsey beecham narrative designer of outer wilds among other things also spoiler alert Hello everybody and welcome to this new episode of the Indie Diarist podcast. Today with you is your loyal Indie Diarist speaking. It's uh, Anthony L. Wolfe, writer, narrative designer, social media content manager, everything that you guys already know. And uh, if you hear my voice a bit shaky today, it's because I'm with a very special guest uh, who's uh, uh, Kelsey Beecham, narrative designer of Outer Wilds, uh, a game that a lot of people on this podcast have said they love very much. But I'll Leave it to you, Kelsey. Tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Uh, sure, you're. That's that's definitely too kind. Thank you. <laughs> um, hi, I'm I'm Kelsey. Obviously, uh, I've been in game dev and narrative design, boy, professionally since uh, 2015. Um, second game was Outer Wilds. So, yeah, it hit big on that one first, right? Um, since then, I've been at a couple of different studios. Um, been at a couple of AAA places, um, Insomniac and Obsidian among them, and then also have worked with some indie uh, studios, and that is where I'm at, at the moment, um, working with a studio over in Sweden called Thunderful. All
0: right. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, because, of course, the listeners will not know, but Kelsey told me that uh, someone uh, she knows uh, listens to the podcast, so uh, <laughs> that was a nice surprise for me. Um, but yeah, so I, I have this question that that I, I ask to everybody who comes on this podcast, just as an icebreaker. So, what is one game you think everyone should play? And I suppose you have a lot of story-heavy favorites.
1: Oh wow, that is a, that is a tough one. Um, yeah, I know. Oh <laughs> Funny enough,
0: God. a lot of people on this podcast say Outer Wilds, so you could use that one as your as your.
1: <laughs> well, it sure it would go well for me, right? But um. Yeah. I don't, I don't, that's so, it's a great question. And I could, I'm like, there are all of these questions, you know, these ideas in my head. And I'm like that one or that one or that one. But right now the one that's really coming to me is a short hike. Um, It's. it's oh yeah.
0: play that one. It
1: is implied by so the cute. title. It's not a long game. And I think it does a really wonderful job of capturing that kind of childhood sensibility of why we loved games, why we picked them up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally really fond re- of that.
0: Yeah, I like it. I played it last year and uh, I, I am planning to try and contact Adam, the developer, to to uh, feature on this podcast too at some point. That would be nice. Um, but yeah, so uh, well, I'm, I'm curious about one thing just to to, to open this uh, this chat of ours. Sure. Um, you mentioned that Outer Wild was your second game. How did you get into game development? Was there like an aha moment at all? Was there... A- sudden realization or something? So
1: I actually grew up uh, with my older brother. He's two years older than me, Alex. Um, mm-hmm. And and you may notice Alex Beecham. So yes, that is the creative director of Outer Wilds. Um, so we grew up making movies and plays and games together. Uh, I was very much the more the storytelling side of things. Uh, very, very into that, very into character work, that sort of thing, maybe too into character work. <laughs> And my brother was much more... Uh, he was great at the big picture. Um, he's got, honestly, very strong storytelling chops as well, but it was wonderful to have somebody to work with a creative partner when I was a kid where I could get into the nitty-gritty and have someone kind of looking at the broader strokes as well. And we, we made stuff like that just for ages. And then uh, in college, <laughs> this is where it takes mm-hmm. a little bit of a turn, Um, My brother was studying, uh, I think, double majoring um, in engineering and in uh, film, Mm -hmm. and he was doing a lot of film work. And he met my partner, and my partner was at our college's uh, game game development course, which is really strong at Michigan State University. And that was kind of, I think, my brother's aha moment where he had that, where he was like, oh, right. I, I could do this. This is a thing you can do and have an actual career in. So then he went and got his master's in, in game design. And while he was doing that, I was kind of his natural writing partner. And so mm-hmm. um, initially he had me punch up a script for a game called Tales from the Minus Lab. And I was like, oh, this is really fun because it's interactive. <laughs> and I had <laughs> yeah. grown up, I don't know, critiquing games, I guess, in a sense of... Um, my brother's one of those people that's very like, if you love something, you should be able to say why it's terrible, uh, <laughs> which is a really <laughs> useful skill to have. And I had been studying yeah, English, true. so I knew how to critique media in very you know, particular ways. And I would mm-hmm. always look at games without really realizing it, thinking, oh, well... I see what they're doing here, but I would have done it differently. And I would have done it this way. And I think that would have been a better player experience. And I was always thinking about it from that perspective. So when I finally got to a position where I had a chance to do some writing for something truly interactive, I don't know, that was a rush. And so Alex started describing to me who would be his senior thesis project for his master's degree, which would ultimately become Outer Wilds. And I don't know, I, I say this all the time. I don't know who among us asked me to be on the project. I don't know if I was like, Hey, can I work mm-hmm. on this with you? Or if Alex was like, Hey, will you work on this with me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just know it was an immediate, like, I want to do this. I have to do this. So great. Yeah. I started working on that. And then in 2015 was when um, we won at IGF. And that still wasn't the moment for me where I was like, I want to do this as a career. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, the first, that was the first year though, that anyone paid me. Um, I was moonlighting as a game developer while I was working as an editorial assistant full time at The Onion. And All right. yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's, The Onion was a blast. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it, it's what it sounds like. <laughs> we yeah. had some very <laughs> bonkers work moments. It was a really fun and creative atmosphere, but also it was weirdly corporate. Um, on the one hand, oh, right? Okay. Well, because I mean, it's such a big company. Once you get to that of point, mm. I mean, that's it's true of AAA studios too. They get very corporate in a hurry, yeah. and that's just kind of the way it is. I'm not trying to say it as like, a, oh, you know, stick it to the man kind of thing. <laughs> like, I'll stick it to the man when I goddamn well please. But <laughs> 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 yeah. this is not that. Um, but yeah, the, the other thing is they're very regimented about who is allowed to be creative in that way. So I had a lot of fun and I liked supporting the writers and everything, but I was never in a position where I was going to start writing comedy. Right. And to be I, honest I with the you, feel. it's mm-hmm. a very specific, if you know, you've read The Onion, it's a very specific style of comedy that they've mastered. Yeah. And it's just not my thing. My thing is a lot looser and a lot weirder in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and uh, yeah, yeah we I think, I just think got it comes to a point through where while, yeah.
1: I was like, I have to, I want to be doing this other creative thing full time. I realized, I think 2017, around the time I took a week off from work to go to GDC. <laughs> 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 and uh, I was like, um, I came back from that. I was like, oh, shoot, normal jobs are ruined for me, aren't they? So I started yeah, looking into getting a full time gig in the games industry and working my way over that way.
0: Right. So actually that uh, ties into a sub-question of this one that, that I had in mind. So would you say that, uh, well, I think there's there's two ways you, you, I, could, I could approach this question, but would you say that uh, being, what inspires you, drives you as a game developer is that feeling of connection between people, just like the one that you have with your brother, or would you say it's just that feeling of creativity uh, or just connecting with the player something like that, I suppose?
1: I love all of the ways I get to be creative. This will sound a bit odd. If I sat down at a computer and wrote a novel, and I've mm-hmm. i you know I've written one when I was like a teenager. <laughs> Props okay. to everyone who's done it like for real. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of, you know, sitting quietly by yourself and thinking. And I just I I thought I was much more of a I am an introvert, but I thought I was much more of an introvert back then, back in my earlier high school days, where I'm like, oh yes, I will sit here and craft my perfect world and there are no limits. So it turns out, one, um, I'm much friendlier than I realized. I really like working with people, right. and two, um, I like having rules. I like having constraints. I like people telling me, "Here's what we can do. Here's your, you know, here are your here are your set of brushes. Mm-hmm. Um, we can negotiate what yeah. some of these brushes might look like or what they exactly are. We can negotiate on exact color choice, but like." you got to make a picture with it mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like okay. not every color is always going to be available to you and I think that's just really a fun challenge to say okay yeah. we want to, to do this or accomplish this or say this or create this moment or this experience how do we do it in a practical way because this is still a product you know we don't get to just sit there and fancifully be like ah oh, yes and I will write you know elaborately crafted like I have a day sometimes. <laughs> 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 Turn around the script, buddy. Yeah. You're like, yeah. But, like, but uh, the yeah. best thing anyone, at home, uh, a former colleague of mine, or another writer, uh, I will not say who, once told me that it felt mm-hmm. a lot like he was trying to write a poem uh, and everyone else was trying to make a lawnmower. And I, I think about <laughs> that a lot because. I'm trying really hard not to do that thing of like you can tell when writers or designers sometimes who are dabbling in writing that kind of thing get into it with like mm. the flavor text especially where they're like ah oh, yes allow me to tell you about this bespoke thing I'm like your players do not care Maybe not. Yeah, your players absolutely, do not no. I, I don't care and I'm a <laughs> I'm a writer I don't read in game books are you out of your mind I'm yeah. <laughs> not pausing yeah, for I that remember long Skyrim.
0: And a game yeah exactly i remember skyrim when i when i was just going around and picking up books and i was like i, I don't really care about this i just want to slay God. demons and uh, and zombies absolutely. and all that absolutely i'm like yeah let uh, me pause dragons, from slaying absolutely. cool
1: things and you know being this awesome badass warrior yeah. to just and i will browse this book real quick you oh, know i see that so and so and it's <laughs> now when it's stuff like the scroll that's like mm-hmm. the spell of flight next to the dead body brilliant yeah but you can't, you can't, you can't write pages and pages and pages. And a funny thing about putting those kinds of games in VR is that, Mm -hmm. you know, the books are so uncomfortable to read and to hold and to handle. And it's like, they're bad in other ways too. And just (laughs) those and quest logs, quest logs drive me absolutely mad.
0: And that's the funny thing. Someone must have looked at that book in a VR game and said, oh, this is a brilliant idea. Let's have it there. But actually, probably not. Oh, my
1: gosh. (laughs) I did a little bit of developing for VR, and it was really a fun challenge to not... This is what I'm talking about. I get so excited in the morning to get up and be like, I have to direct the player over here. I have to show that these memories happened, and I've only got, you know... What can I actually show you? If I'm in VR, I can't lock the player in place. That feels terrible. How am I projecting these into my environment? Well, okay, I'm a robot. I'm a broken robot. Let's say I'm booting back up and I'm slightly defective. And I've got projections scanning from my memory that's, you know, glitching out or whatever. And I have to repair that. But I'm also getting these little bits and pieces of how things used to be as I'm going through that's that was stormland which i think they completely rewrote after i left that project (laughs) i don't take that one personally i mean a little you know i've never played it since you don't want to you don't want to go back through and be like oh beautiful, like touching moment with this little butterfly that will never happen they're like (laughs) ham fisting it a little i'm like okay that's fine that's fine (laughs) sorry that was mean it 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 was, it was supposed to originally be a very lore-centric, very heavy game, and then Sony bought mm-hmm. the company, and then I assume
0: All right, there's yeah. some issues as it with, happens. you know, you're not yeah. going to
1: spend a ton of time developing for Oculus anymore, I would imagine. And this is just me as a layperson saying it. I have no insider information. Nobody tells me these things. Oh. <laughs> That's why I always find okay. it odd when someone's like, oh, I'm a little intimidated by you. I'm like, How? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the, it, uh, I can kind of I kind of see that because you, your second game was like a, a, an all time favorite hit for a lot of people. Fair. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so well, of course you worked on Otherworld with your brother, and it started from his master thesis, and uh, all that was really interesting to hear, especially from your GDC talk, that was um, a really inspiring one for that. someone who's Cheers. Uh, yeah, because. Oh, well, I mean, you're welcome. First, but the second, <laughs> uh, there were a lot of interesting points there. So that's uh, that. That was that was really inspiring, and uh, there are some concepts in there that that maybe we'll talk about doing this this um, chat, such as the pushing versus pulling um, concept that I loved very much. Uh, but first off, can you remember where the original idea for Outer Worlds came from? Because of course, it came from uh, Alex's master thesis. But do you remember the very you know the primordial stages or something like that
1: yeah he was actually playing around i think he's talked about this um he was playing around with the supernova shipping company supernova uh of course being supernova studios was the name when we were children of all of the various um uh like different media we produced and then we used that continually like we kept using that title or i should say alex did as he did his his film stuff so there's a little bit of a fun Easter egg there, but um, the mm-hmm. Supernova shipping company was motivated by rocketing around really on the most like wasteful, explosive kind of power you could get, which was by right. exploding suns, and you would use that to okay. hurdle yourself around. And then there was also something he did um, that was about keeping lighthouses lit on little planetoids while you were menaced by space anglerfish. And I think oh, that kind oh, of... Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah. And then there was something really, really early on. The earliest version of Outer Wilds was probably the... Um, there was one alien, an outfitter, and he was giving you gear as you could prove you could handle it. But he also, he kind of just didn't care. And he was like, all right, well, go blow, your, blow yourself up in space if you feel like it, you know? <laughs> but you were investigating something that had crashed over a ridge. And I think a lot mm. of that was led by the idea of how much can we develop with player curiosity leading the charge versus, you know, my old least favorite thing, uh, mission markers?
0: Oh yeah, no, uh, yeah. I won't start. I actually was telling this to my girlfriend yesterday, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Origins right now, mm-hmm. and there was a quest where basically they tell you, oh yeah, so you have to chase the thieves and they've left horse marks on the sand, but actually you had a marker Telling you exactly where the thieves were, no. while the horse marks, while the horse tracks were on the sand as well, and you could follow them, but you had the marker already telling you where those horse tracks went. See, I find I that like, insulting. What is the point?
1: That's so insulting as a player. Like, listen, dum dum, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, and I'm not trying to insult anyone who worked on Assassin's Creed but it's a little especially because I've had to put in things at lines in games where it's like the door is locked and then I have to write a Bart for it like oh the door's locked we better find another way in I'm like please the player Mm -hmm. will know the door is locked and that they should find another way in (laughs) but like you kind of there was one game I worked on that was very like I picked it up and I needed to write text that was like use the gun as a gun like they're gonna know what to do with this I promise (laughs) Ammo reloads yeah. bullets. I'm like, sometimes you have to give people what they're asking for. So I literally wrote a line that was essentially that. And they were like, oh, I see how maybe we don't need that. I was like, oh, thank God. Because honestly, this was wholeheartedly my best effort. Like, I'm not even trying to be sarcastic. It's just you cannot write that line without it sounding real sarcastic. And obviously yeah. what that's... an The uh, Assassin's Creed issue is indicative of you are in a system where you've always given your player mission markers, so it doesn't feel right to not have, I guess you could put it at Mm -hmm. the start of the footprints is maybe maybe what I would have done.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, exactly. Like,
1: I can see exactly how this happened. Do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, at, at least don't take problems. all the fun away. Just yeah. a little bit, maybe. Yeah, It's frustrating yeah, for the yeah. player, okay. but
1: it's also one of those development things where you're just like, yeah, no, we create these problems for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing yeah. I was talking about with the door bark, it was, uh-huh. I, I won't say what it was exactly, but it, it was in a context of we had really set players up to expect certain things all right, and So okay. if you didn't give the bark, there was the risk of, of certain players being like, "Oh, I guess you just don't interact with this building at all."
0: Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. And wandering
1: um, off and then losing the plot. Yeah.
0: And also door barks, I mean, they're pretty much everywhere. I mean, <laughs> it's locked. Well, okay. Like, I, thanks, I heard man. the lock clicking, but it, I just I've never yeah. I've
1: never gotten home with my my partner and had them walk up to the door and try the door and then be like, "It's locked." Like I'm not behind them going, <laughs> "It's locked." <laughs> You should unlock it with a key. With a key. I'll go around back.
0: That would be fun, though, probably from a a game developer to another. As soon as I've said that,
1: my partner does work in game development, and I am 100% going to do this to them.
0: There you go. Yeah. they really put
1: up with me. Uh, Right.
0: So... um, into Outer Wilds now, the the actual core of it. Uh, I think Outer Wilds I see it as basically an investigative game disguised in a space explorer simulator because that's that's pretty much what it is. To an outsider, though, and that's something that came up in the Reddit post that I mentioned at the beginning, the story feels incredibly complex and interconnected. Uh, but in a nutshell, how did you do it? Like, was the narrative constructed first, and the world fit around it, or the other way around?
1: Have you heard of a murder board? Um, it's, 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 I don't know if I'm, I use that term because I learned it from some friends that are also writers and I don't know that it's the official, I just call it that. It's that, um, that Charlie Day in the mailroom thing where you've got the post-it notes and the pictures and the strings connecting stuff and arrows going oh, yeah, yeah. Over.
0: Okay. Oh, that murder board. There was okay, like a okay, wall in
1: my house <laughs> for a long time <laughs> where, I had everything mapped out just in crazy. We had so many Excel documents keeping things straight. We would do a lot of boiling things down to like, hey, this entire conversation, this is what's in the absolute crux of it. Um, So basically my brother knew kind of the big brushstrokes. He knew things like, and I will get into spoilers a bit here. So, you know, but I imagine that's why probably most of the people listening to this have played the game already. Mm -hmm. Um, not in a like, I'm sorry, not in a like, yes, because we're such big shots way, but just in a like, (laughs) I don't know why else you'd listen to me ramble. (laughs) 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 Um, so my brother knew going in things like, for example, we didn't know originally if the Nomai needed to have arrived at the solar system or have been there for, you know, for a way longer time. We just knew we needed them to disappear suddenly So that you could investigate Mm -hmm. ruins and so that they weren't around to give you convenient answers. You know, we knew there was a time loop. Um, We knew it was triggered by the sun. Um, Things like that. So as we kind of mapped out, okay, here are our big bits and pieces. Then we kind of went in and I would talk to Alex a lot. We had so many early conversations um, in the early days. Just so many long, long, long talks about... What does this mean for the game and for for the story and the background here and the world building? If, okay, let's say our aliens did come here and they arrived here. Why did they come here? Like clearly something drew them here. What specifically is that? Are these a nomadic people by nature or did they come here like this was like a special trip for them? Um, How prepared are they to be here? You know? Okay, they crashed in Dark Bramble. Shit. How do you get out of there in escape pods? <laughs> what do you cities look like if you're living on these particular. So that it kind of happened a lot in parallel with worlds being designed, where it's like uh, Brittle Hollow, for example. We knew there was mm. going to be a city under the crust. And it's like, okay, why does that happen? And it's really, you know, it was a pretty good one to say, okay, the volcanic moon. Let's say they didn't detect, they yeah, the didn't develop good moon. technology to deflect it. There's the one inside. Mm-hmm. Um, God, is it Amber or Ash Twin? It's one of the Hourglass Twins. I should know this. <laughs> I think it's Amber. <laughs>
0: um, oh, uh, like the, sun, the Sunless City? Yes, yeah, the it's Sunless City.
1: We, uh, yeah, it affected... It's like, okay, so we know they specifically live in here because the atmosphere above the surface is just not tenable for them. Uh, I think it's also a temperature thing. But it just... It changes... The culture, it changes the archaeology, it changes the architecture yeah. of, of everything going on with the nomai, and you have to. It's it's a combination of yes, some of the design then reflects what the world building and the story is doing, but I have to be really agile as a narrative designer and a storyteller and a writer to be able to go. Okay, I hear we're doing you know this with the design, so you know if the if the moon if we have an, an exploding volcanic moon that is the thing that is hitting, you know. The pieces away of Brittle Hollow. Yes, obviously the city wasn't crumbling beforehand when the Nomai were there, but we still had this moon. So we know they had to move on afterwards versus this being like an outpost or something, the above ground temporary settlement that they had. Mm-hmm. So it just affects I what see. you're doing. And the more you can interweave that together, I think the more satisfying that is as an experience.
0: Absolutely, and and I love the fact that um, because the nomai went into all different directions, then their culture evolved in so many different ways. As in, you have one, you have one team focusing on one thing on brittle hollow, and then then you have the others focusing on harnessing energy from the sun in Ember twin and uh, and and Ash twin and all of that. Which, by the way, are absolutely my favorite planet in the in the in the system. Oh, tremendous! Um, yeah, like my favorite couple of planets, of course, well, because they work in... in pair in set? But like I was, I opened, pair, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I opened the map the first time around and uh, I saw them and I was like, Arglas twin? What does that mean? And when I flew over there, I was like, holy shit. Uh, Alex describing yeah, uh, that to
1: me as, as a set of planets for the first time was very fun. He just had a lot of really cool planetary ideas. Obviously, he's he's the, you know, the huge space nerd. Um him, him and Loan, honestly, um, probably others on the team as well. And then you have people like me who are, I don't know that I can say that I'm a huge space nerd, but I really like NASA. I really enjoy seeing what we're doing in space. You know, I i get mm-hmm. excited. I'm one of those people yeah. that I'm not the, uh, I'm not the, ooh, will we get on to Mar- reach Mars in our lifetime person? I'm the like, I heard about this weird exoplanet, and now my brain's coming up with all these ways <laughs> you could live on it, and they're all preposterous. Like, this is not me pitching right. NASA and any missions anytime soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely, you yeah, know, that's a uh, full disclaimer there. But yeah. My brain likes the uh, romance of it, I think. Yeah, well, the story, the the, the story bits, the, the getting there, the journey, and all of that, which when you, is what.
1: When you've got that, and then you've also got the technical know how, that's how you get this stuff. So my brother's phenomenal
0: mm, yeah. in that sense yeah and uh, about the planets it, it's it's nice that you mentioned it because I feel like and this is to I mean I'm not trash talking anybody who worked on interstellar because it's a beautiful film but uh, uh I feel like the planets that I see in outer wild and i'm I'm constantly looking up with the listeners cannot see but because I have like a little poster there the planetary chart oh. um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you, you're talking to a total Outer Wilds nerd here. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to, to hide it a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> so, but, uh, but, you know, thinking about all those planets and Giants Deep and Dark Bramble, they're all so different. And, uh, and I feel like there was a lot of creative thought put into each one of them. Like Giants Deep having all those big tornadoes that, that uh, propel islands into, the, into space and then if they fall down again. It was pretty cool. And the quantum moon and everything, the interloper even, which is just a comet but still has its own story. Right. So, just a great, a great solar system, I think.
1: And the comet's also um, a great example of what story can we reasonably tell in this space, and how does that work? So,
0: yeah, yeah. It was very small, so like there isn't a whole lot of story in there, but it is powerful as it is because it comes from other parts of the solar system too. Um, so yeah, but without nerding out too much, let's <laughs> <laughs> let's get into. This question that w- uh, was asked by Iggy King 123 one 12 and checkman45. Uh, how did you plan the story in such a modular way as to allow for any potential order of discovery without ruining the experience?
1: So we do have, we had roughly, I would say, three overall layers um, that we kind of chunked content into. Individual pieces, I will say, um, like an instance of found text would be like one conversation. Um, surface level stuff is literally what it sounds like. It's found on the surface levels of your planets and moons. Um, it's pretty easy to access. It's also typically something that we tried to, I tried to write like a decent hook into it to grab the player's interest. Like, oh, what's that? That's interesting. But it's totally okay if you bounce off of them. Um, because I didn't want it to become, oh no, I found a piece of text and I have to memorize exactly what it says or else I'm never going to, you know, be able to proceed and have fun or like, or, God, worse, I wanted to avoid the, oh no, time for a mm-hmm. cutscene, <laughs> where you're like, yeah. you're playing the game and you're having fun and you under- you're you like, okay, I have to talk to Kabora Gabora, the uh, freaking uh, Ocarina of Time owl, where he's like, oh, uh-huh. and this is what happened in the kingdom and you have to <laughs> go blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, yeah, 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 but like, let me go blah, 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 that would be great. So I didn't want anyone stuck <laughs> yeah. on those. So you can bounce off of them, and it's totally fine to pick them back up later. Um, At the middle layer, that's stuff where it was a little harder to find, and it typically is something that you kind of had to... And obviously, there's a lot of um, probably sub-levels to this layer, but it's something that you usually would have to uh, read something on the surface level and understand it and then navigate the world accordingly to be able to reach something at the mid-level... But it's also still something you could stumble onto and that would be okay it's not going to totally ruin you know the rest of it you're just you're going to be a little bit in media res for sure probably but or sometimes it's starting points actually so it just kind of depends and then at your absolute bottom level is the stuff where um you know you're not getting there unless you've followed a lot of these clues and you've done a lot at that kind of middle layer and you've read a lot of those conversations and you've pieced things together Um, yes, it is possible to beat the game without ever going through the time loop. But it's never going to happen because you just don't have the information you need yet. So that's usually like big answers to large mysteries, that kind of thing. And then the way I think about it, or the the way I thought about it was this. Each individual piece of conversation should in and of itself be fun to read. There should be something that happens in it. It shouldn't just be, oh, we constructed this, and now it's time to do the other thing. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, oh, we did this, but it didn't work, and we're going to figure out why over here. Sometimes it's finding out two characters that have been mutually crushing on each other are, you know, sounds like they actually got together. That's exciting, you know. Um, I try to make it just enjoyable in some way. Sometimes it's just the space dad jokes. (laughs) I have a terrible terrible (laughs) fondness for puns but i try to make those individually enjoyable in some way they should each be able to tell their own little story or piece thereof and then i think of it like this this is how i've explained it before if you wrestled a bear and won and you later find out oh shit, my dad wrestled a bear and he won i'm just like my dad and then later you find out oh my god are you telling me grandpa, grandpa also wrestled a bear and won? Oh my God, we're a long line of bear wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So basically what's happening there is no matter the order you're finding that out in, it is still one awesome individually to just be like, shit, my dad wrestled a bear. Good for him, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, side note, please don't wrestle bears. Um, <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> this is just where my brain goes. But you've created the story that when they're, they're individually fun, and finding out your grandfather wrestled a bear first, and then learning your dad wrestled a bear, that's like, oh shit, just like his father before him. That's a cool mm-hmm. moment. You still get that moment if you do it the other way, where you hear your about your dad's victory first, and then you're like, and also, grandpa wrestled a bear, and he won. And you're like, oh, my God, like father, like son. <laughs> you know, it it's kind of that. It's each... You should be learning something new in each piece of content that overall, mm. when you take it as a whole, you're saying, oh, I see. There's this overall story that's happening and it needs to work in every order. And beyond that, it's just brute forcing it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you know, it's trial and error. It's going through things and going, okay, this wasn't very fun for players. Let's figure out why. Or players had largely already guessed the answer to this. So, mm-hmm. you know, if... For example the sun station a lot of people when they yeah. go there have already guessed I, I, say, I say a lot some people at least have already guessed the sun station is not they did not the nomai didn't actually initiate blowing up the sun mm-hmm. um, but it is still a really cool moment i think to get there and open the doors and do that jump and finally confirm yeah. it for yourself it's like yeah shit shit i was mm-hmm. right so yeah it's, it's not always about information. Sometimes it's how the story is told, and sometimes it's um, just the emotion involved.
0: Mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think the system that you described surface, hidden, and then um, well, surface, middle, and hidden, I believe uh, it's, it's also something that subconsciously uh, pu- pushes the player to actually explore things that way, at least speaking from my perspective, when I went on any planet, including Dark Bramble, for example, not Dark Bramble, maybe not, uh, but like uh, Br- Brittle Hollow, for example, I started exploring the surface first because mm-hmm. I knew that I would find something there. I didn't actually make the connection that that something on the surface would b- would bring me below the surface, but it did. Uh, and I did this with every single planet that I went visiting. Now, unless you're a freak, you're not going to get into a jellyfish to get into the, the giant sea right. core. But Uh, that's something that you learn uh, while you explore the other planets and all the other uh, bits of the system. But I think subconsciously, this this design system uh, guides the player, even though they may not be aware of it, which I think is is really brilliant.
1: And that's what we're talking about earlier when we're saying, well, there are these design problems that arise, like the issue with the locked door and meeting a bark there. It's because we're training our players in very particular ways. Like this is the system. They've learned the system. If you suddenly later on change that on them really dramatically and you're not doing it very purposefully and very, you know, masterfully, you've essentially broken that contract with your player. Like, haha, now things are different and everything you knew is a lie and it's a different game. And they're just like, what is happening? <laughs> the, the game has kind of cheated them in a way. So it's really important to, to de- design, I think, with that in mind. What am, I t- what am I training my player to think and pick up on? What am I telling them is and is not important? What am I rewarding?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and about rewarding, I personally love, and a lot of people do as well, I'm I'm sure, how Outer Wilds rewards players for their curiosity. We've talked about this here and there, but what what I want to know from you is what is one of your favorite moments of player discovery in the game, personally?
1: Personally, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do love any time somebody says, will this kill me? And then does, (laughs) proceeds to try something. Like, because I do that in games all the time and I love it. Um, that's a mm-hmm. that's a fun one to me, but I'm trying to think of a really good Yeah, I'm sorry nothing like radically jumps to mind. Sometimes the sun station a little bit just because people are like, ooh, what mm-hmm. is that? And then they misjudge how hard it is to land on things that close to the sun. Yeah. But that seems a bit yeah, mean I, I, I for me that. to laugh at. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I did that, so and, and I tried to land on the sun station at least two or three times before realizing, okay, there must be another way. And there was. Uh, Oh, I think I maybe do have
1: a, I do love, um, I love when players break the fabric of space-time by messing up with the the high energy lab experiment. I love specifically when people kind of have already realized why it would be bad to do that and they understand what it is they're doing (laughs) and then they do it anyway. Just like, what's going (laughs) to happen if I do? I love, that's my, one of my absolute favorite things to Mm. to design for there's um a character in the first outer worlds dlc i'll say again outer worlds um uh i can't remember i think his name is carl um he's he's this crazed uh like half mad Shopkeeper, and he absolutely hates the Spacer's Choice Moonman, who is this large mascot with this round Moonman head. In the game, you can get a Moonman helmet and wear it. And I was just cackling with glee writing this reaction because if you go talk to him wearing that head, he will freak out, he will react to it. That's the kind of thing I just I really love doing that for players because mm-hmm. there's an impulse in me as a gamer all the time. That's what will happen if I do this. Will the game mm-hmm. Will the game recognize that? You know, does the game yeah. Is the game prepared for that? There's kind of that that little back and forth conversation of what if I do this, and the game's like, what if you do that?
0: Yeah, I I feel like a lot of games aren't really good at at doing that because maybe sometimes no. you do experiment and nothing happens you're like oh yeah okay that's and of course you're not really encouraged to do it again yeah it's so it's a frame it's, into those yeah it's a square
1: they, they want you to yeah. do it the right way there yeah. was this time yeah. um this probably encapsulates a lot <laughs> in the wind waker <clears throat> in the forest temple um uh-huh. uh, i think the second time through when you get the mirror shield and you you have to use it at some points to um to fossilize temporarily fossilized chew jellies and uh or choo -choo choos um
0: choo choos maybe yeah (laughs)
1: it's choo choos um thinking of the jelly because i've been playing tears of the kingdom (laughs) Um, the in my brother did the puzzle correctly where he fossilized temporarily a choo choo and put it on a switch Mm -hmm. and then ran for the door you know made it in time and i found a pot in the corner And I walked over and I slapped that pot down on the switch and that worked. And my brother was both furious and delighted. He was like, I can't believe you, but you, but it, but of course it would work. Like, have you ever just seen somebody both mad and really happy and excited at the same time? Like, Mm -hmm. it was outstanding. Because I had but Breath I had, of the
0: Wild does that a lot too, yeah. I
1: don't usually get to out clever my brother on those kinds of things, so uh-huh. young Kelsey was quite pleased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: but yeah, it does. But Breath of it? the Wild does that too, yeah, yeah, because uh, it, it rewards you for trying out the different things. Like you can solve a puzzle in at least two or three different ways right. inside the actual the actual sanctuaries there in the, in, in Breath of the Wild. But yeah. Um,
1: it's going to be so rewarding once I play more Tears of the Kingdom, um, seeing how people are solving because they're so open-ended. Mm-hmm, there have been multiple yeah. times where I'm like, I'm sure this is not how they intended me to solve the puzzle, but it's how I'm going to solve the puzzle. Clearly this I'm works. going to play
0: it soon. Yeah. And, uh, and I can't oh, wait. I, think you'll
1: that, ha- well. I, won't, I won't spoil it, but I think you'll have a good time.
0: Great. Yeah. Okay.
1: It does. It does do a lot for rewarding curiosity.
0: Now, I've got a question from sour Dude, and it's Crayon. Uh, what's a story piece or aspect you intended on having in the game, but for some reason chose not to in the end? Any pieces of lore, backstory, no. or culture?
1: One thing we did have originally, I thought it would be cool if the Nomai um, had, had burial grounds. Um, Mm -hmm. because this was not something that was typical for them at the time. Like they're not used to being stranded on planets for a long time. So it's like, okay, that's interesting. What would they look like? And art came up with some really cool concepts for it. Um, one was that it just, it kind of didn't need to be a thing. If that makes sense. I think we almost replaced it more with the eye shrines too, if I'm remembering correctly, but maybe don't quote me on Mm. that. Um, what I ended up figuring out instead was the Nomai, um, are uh, as a society what they do with their dead um is they cremate them in a, uh, in the uh the super hot fire of their ship the vessel you know on the exhaust or not exhaust but the, the rockets for that and then mm-hmm. they let them drift along their path and kind of go on their own voyage from there it's like that's very much like them i think and then it it doesn't this was kind of something that um grew along with the idea of the nomai don't want to leave a big trace behind of where they've been they don't you know kind of take take nothing but pictures leave nothing but footprints and also maybe some cool artwork (laughs) (laughs) um and we had joked actually a lot about it's like this has never come up and it's one of those things that never it never made it into the game because it just didn't need to nobody was Mm -hmm. out there going oh but what did they do with the bodies
0: um, yeah, mm-hmm, we did joke about
1: having like a cannon that just shot bodies into the sun, but obviously that would be a little <laughs> off tone.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was, probably, that was probably not the right tone for it, yeah.
1: <laughs> Definitely a reason that one does not uh, make it in.
0: Right. Uh, well, so you mentioned you're not, uh, um, uh, well, you, you do like space, but you're not like a big space nerd yourself. But imagine the amount of research that went into this game and the story. Uh, are there any fun behind the scenes or interesting anecdotes for development?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, I know they got to work with, uh, like, NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab. Um, there was Somebody Brilliant. from there was an advisor on the project, which was quite cool. Wow,
0: okay.
1: Uh, because Alex obviously wanted that to be really, uh, you know, accurate, accurate yeah. feel, feel correct, that kind of thing. Um, on my end... Not as much. I did a little bit of research on um, archaeology. Just I say research, but reading oh, yeah. up on. Um, just because it was kind of a, I don't know. It's it's really interesting to see what gets left behind, and then in our case, what gets mm. left behind specifically when a civilization is instantaneously wiped out. What does that look like? Um, and I think that was a thing that got us thinking about. Which bodies of which Nomai were alive, you know, because we don't know who was necessarily, I mean, okay, I do, but <laughs> who which Nomai are alive when everything happens with the ghost matter. And so, um, but like we were thinking about placing bodies very deliberately of like, well, we know for a fact there was this person here and this was, you know, blah, blah, um, or there wouldn't be bodies here for these reasons. And it's really interesting to look at, if you look at even like, um, there's this big... I think heard of mammoth that died suddenly in what they think was a flood, and seeing like the positioning mm. of those bodies and the skeletons there helps us learn about you know behavioral aspects of these of these cultures. Um, unfortunately, most of the culture that the, the more nuanced aspects of culture in our cases were always going to come across in these logs, and I tried to make mm. those feel either like messages, like genuine messages to other people, or else logs that were kept of like a meeting. Or an experiment because I don't like it when I don't I don't love I don't love reading diaries yeah
0: I I, I relate. yeah it, it felt very fun to just go through those logs and they felt like maybe an email exchange or like as you said meetings uh, and actually the fact that you were using the translator tool to unveil those pieces of writing, yeah. it made them fun, it made it fun by itself because you were just, okay, so what's the next bit? And when is this chain going to to stop at some point? What's the last bit that I'm going to? And so
1: that came out, that came in part from uh, uh, some research that I did looking at how ancient aliens are presented in other games because at the time yeah. there weren't quite, I would say nearly as many. Cause we started back, remember in 2012 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I'm looking at, and I'm going to put them on blast a little bit. I'm so sorry. I was looking a lot at the Chozo and what I did not like mm-hmm. about them from Metroid. And to be fair, that is a game, you know, especially originally it's from a very different era. And they're doing a very different mm-hmm. thing. Close. But also it's a lot of big, wise, unrelatable alien species. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. So that, that did affect development a lot with the nomics. because I was like, I want them to be relatable. I don't want them. Originally, we did try um, like a hive mind kind of we. We did X, Y, Z, and we're keeping a record and it just felt really bad. <laughs> it felt so boring. <laughs> yeah. And we also realized, as as development went on, we're like, oh my god, we're going to make players read so much text. So the text, uh, the translator tool was huge for us because that let us it let me write a little bit more in a way that felt fun and good. And then that was part of the, the branching structure. I'm like, okay, well, if you can control when you're translating which bits, it doesn't make sense to you know to translate out of order unless there's a reason. Because otherwise yeah. you're just what translating the last sentence first for no reason so that's what mm-hmm. the branching text is part of and that actually that is something that didn't make it back into the game i did write stuff so that it was supposed to factor back around like maybe it would you'd split one into points two and three but then both two and mm-hmm. three were supposed to come back to four and instead we ended up right, okay. having just branch endings i don't mm-hmm. actually know why that happened
0: I, but I, think, I think it was think just it a thing I didn't make a big yeah. a
1: bunch of noise about during development because we were focused on other, right, more okay. important things you know <laughs> like I'll tell yeah. you right now I don't love the font that we have it's a little hard to read I think sometimes about our dyslexic readers and I'm like oh we're players and I, uh, I feel bad about it but
0: mm. yeah but uh, you know we're getting to towards the end because we've been speaking already for so long I've just got couple more questions from the community and then okay. we'll wrap it up. I'll
1: keep them short. Um,
0: so there's been some progress on unofficial story mods for Outer Wilds recently, Arthean says, and the, Artheon, the the Eye of Artheon is with a 1. Uh, what do you think about them and story-based modding at all?
1: I think our game's a really weird one to mod if you're going to mod for story, to be honest, because it's mm-hmm. so incredibly interconnected. And we had to do so much work structuring where things went and why and what the key points were. But I'm also not going to say don't, like knock yourselves out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, (laughs) I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just like, if if this is something that seizes you creatively and you want to essentially, I mean, it's kind of like, in a way, making fan fiction of it, right? So like, Mm -hmm. I mean, not to, again, I'm not trying to put down anyone as, oh, you're not doing enough work on it or whatever like that. I just mean like it's because I've, I've seen fan fiction and fan works that have been, oh my God, they're incredible. I kind mm-hmm. of feel, think of it as a little bit of another form of that. And I hope that's not disrespectful of me. But yeah, if, if you're creatively inspired by that and you're seized by it and you want to write, like, hell, go for it. Absolutely go for it.
0: Um, <clears throat> there's an artist which whom you may know um, who goes around on Reddit. Uh, her name is Elwenza, I believe, but she does amazing comics of Outer Wilds, uh, diving deep into the lore of the Harthians themselves themselves and the protagonists too, which I think is very very heartwarming. Uh, but like I, I can see these mods doing something like that, like telling news stories about the Harthians and the different travelers and their childhood and whatnot. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, Hearthian story uh, that, mods
1: definitely make the most sense to me just because the Nomai are so like tangled and interwoven mm-hmm. already that it's like, it seems really difficult to, just speaking from experience. It's really difficult yeah. to weave more in there once you've kind of got it looking like, you know, so yeah, that's, of course. it's, it's, it's just really rad that anyone's that inspired by it to kind of continue on with the lore.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll see. And I'm looking forward to that too. Um, so darkly sparkly uh, asks, "Do you watch playthroughs? And if so, what are your favorite crackpot fan theories?"
1: Oh, I, I've dabbled. It's been a long time. It's been since like 2019. I watched a lot more when they uh-huh. first came out, but I still kind of was. I have to be really careful with them, just because I get embarrassed when I, uh, I don't know. Anytime somebody's very complimentary about it, I'm like, "Oh, oh, thank you," but I have to go. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm sorry then because I've been no, seeing you. No, no, of...
1: you've been fine. I it just, it's, <laughs> okay. there's a certain, I've also, I've gotten a little bit more used to it, but. All right, okay. Um, it's just, I don't know. And then I think my favorite playthroughs tend to be the ones where people are trying things that, mm-hmm. like, ah, boy, there's one that sticks out in my mind where somebody got out of their ship in Dark Bramble without turning the thrusters off and negating their mm-hmm. relative velocity. So uh-huh. then the ship just gloriously careened away and this was at i want to say gdc when we were at igf for 2015 just a group of us around the booth are rooting for this guy just to make it back to his ship before his oxygen ran, ran out and we're all oh. cheering for him i love the like just the weird situations that come up like that mm-hmm. a lot of fun of to course me. yeah i don't know if i know enough of the like quote unquote crackpot fan theories <laughs> this has me very curious though
0: Right. Yeah. Well, something to look into later, then, possibly. Uh, yeah. I think you're going to like this question from Specialist Key one, uh, 1995. Why did you decide to name all the Harthians after rocks, <laughs> a fact which I adore, and all the Nomai after flowers?
1: Oh, uh, plants, actually, in general. Um, but plants, I think I did, yeah. I did do a lot of flowers. Um, that is, that's a fun question, yeah. Um, well,. Part of it is I don't love coming up with naming sk- like I like having a right. naming scheme. <laughs> I like having something where I'm using a consistent like thing. I'm really into... Like, so like Conlang, for example. Like um, mm-hmm. I did not used to know how to like handle constructed languages and make them cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of like, you know, it's like, oh, people always put like Zs and Ks and space names. And so I knew I didn't want that. I didn't want a bunch of like Zs, like Zaz. Zasber or whatever, you know, telling you to, to launch your spaceship. Um, I think I started doing rocks just because I, boy. So <laughs> in, it was back in like 2008 or 2009. I took a, I think 2008, I took a geology class. And I, oh, really? Okay. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just a fan of rocks. <laughs> it's <laughs> probably as simple as that. Um, I just really think rocks are interesting. I like how they form. Um, I like their names. Mm-hmm. I like rock samples. Um, I do have a little bit of a collection going. It's very modest, but you know, I, I like knowing what they are. And there's something to me about the toughness of Harthians. Like, you can pick up a rock and you can shuck it as far as you can throw, mm-hmm. and it's probably going to be compl- just exactly the same as when you had first picked it up. You know, it's, you're not going to damage the thing. Unless it's really, Uh you know, delicate or something. Or you, I don't know, throw it into lava. But to me, that worked (laughs) really well with the Harthians. They're hard-headed. They're stubborn, you know. Um, If I really, like, psychoanalyze myself, I wonder if it's connected to Gorons at all. I, yeah, when I was a kid, I just loved the Gorons for some reason in Zelda. (laughs) I don't know that that's why I did it, but like, maybe that was back there a little bit. And then once I picked up the rocks, it's like, okay, cool. Well, just, you know, I wanted to do rocks that were a little less, like Feldspar is a little, I mean, it's not uncommon at all, but like Quartz is a rock everyone's going to know. Like, I think Slate was a little bit of a, that was a little bit of a compromise for me because it is Mm -hmm. too obvious, but. It just felt right for them, mm-hmm. and then okay. there are a few. I did sneak a few glacier terms in there because I really, I again, I had a lot of fun in that geology course. And then of plants, <laughs> I, I did the plants because I was like, well, let's do something that contrasts with the Harthians a bit. Rocks, and that was course. kind of me taking like pieces of Latin mm-hmm. names for different plants, and then some of them are named for particular people in my life. That and there's one in particular that is named for. Um, someone I lost, who I loved very much, and um, her one of her favorite plants is the plant name that I pulled for that character. So, right, it's fun to be able so, to put some some stuff like that in there.
0: Yeah, well, um, we're getting we're getting very close to the end now, very close to the eye, I suppose. Oh <laughs> uh, God, no!
1: And then the time leap restarts, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, no. Uh, so many people say that playing this game changed their perspective on life. Uh, I, I, I think I'm very close to that statement too. Did you have any idea while you were creating this little world that it would have such a large impact?
1: No, no, I had no clue. <laughs> um, this is what I mean when I'm not—I I really don't think I'm someone to be intimidated by. Um, I just gave it everything I had. And at the time, especially, I was working through a lot of different fears and anxieties, um, you know. And one of the one of the big questions in Outer Wilds is a lot of existential dread. And for me, mm-hmm. as a writer, um, you basically, as a games writer, you're constantly thinking of your audience constantly, um, or at least you should be. And mm-hmm. it didn't seem pleasant to me to have to approach the end of the game constantly thinking. Well, this is it. This is the end of everything. I'm just going to be obliterated. This sucks. The, the world is ending. The universe is ending. What's the point? Um, so it really heavily impacted how I approached it. It also mm-hmm. had a lot to do, I think you'll notice with the Nomai, of how I approached failure. Because I have failed a lot in life. I have failed a lot. And each time I have had to, you know, it's what everyone does. It's you, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off. You say, okay, that was not correct. (laughs) That went a little awry. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have used that much jet fuel. And you say, how do I do this differently? What do I learn from this? Because that was something so inherent with the Nomai's perspective was that failure was not failure. It was simply new information. Mm -hmm. And then you worked with what new information you had. So I am floored frankly by some of the response that's gotten and i am incredibly honored that people connected with it in the way they did because it's a lot of that is where my head was at the time and still right. is to some extent
0: um i'm afraid that the answer to this one is going to make a few people sad but i have to ask it anyway are there any more stories in the outer wilds universe multiverse <laughs> you or the others that mobius are interested in telling
1: um, well, I'm not with Mobius, so I actually can't answer that, um, maybe even legally. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I ca- All I can say for sure is that I have not been asked to work on anything Outer Wilds related since the DLC. Okay.
0: Right, let's close it with a fun question for you. Imagine sending a No My style message to a civilization thousands of years into the future. What would you say? <clears throat>
1: I wish I could tell you it would be something profound, mm-hmm. um, but it'd probably be something like, "Hey guys, hope we didn't fuck it up too bad."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I think that's a great
1: Just way please, to wrap please this please up. Please know so. we were doing our best. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <indeed. laughs> it's either that yeah.
1: or it's uh, <laughs> it'd be some kind of heavily implied, like, "Ah, oh, the treasure is," and then send them on some then... kind of crazy adventure. It's one, or, one <laughs> or the other maybe both yeah
0: maybe both who knows right i think that's a great way to to wrap this up where can other people find you kelsey and if they do how can they support you
1: sure uh i'm uh on twitter currently although god that ship might be sinking yeah um i'm at van kelsing uh v-a-n kelsing i-n-g at the end um i'm also at kelseybeacham.com if you ever want to get in touch i've got an about page that's got my uh my socials and my email and whatnot. Um, I'm pretty friendly, although if I don't respond to your email, I'm so sorry. It's just sometimes I get a lot in one go, and then I get overwhelmed, and then I have to go like hide from my computer for a while. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just, um, I mean, thank you so much already. If you, if you have played any of the games I've worked on, um, maybe play Outer Wilds, huh? <laughs>
0: Maybe, right. maybe get thank a friend you. to
1: play Outer Wilds because we're very word-of-mouth oh, yeah. based actually and everyone who's ever to everyone who's ever gotten their friend to play this by being like no no but for real you have to play it thank you so much seriously yeah. thank you
0: you have to play it but I'm not going to tell you anything about it just go it, into it
1: it's a hard game to market
0: <laughs> yeah 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 but okay thank you Kels it's been, it's been amazing having you on the podcast and uh, such a beautiful conversation that we had
1: thank, thank you, you so, so much for having me
0: And that's a wrap, friends, travelers, Hearthians, for this very first special episode of the Indie Diarist podcast. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Kelsey, who's been such an amazing guest for well over an hour where we just rambled on about space and outer wilds and narrative design and game design and all of these amazing things that you just heard. I will be very much looking forward to your next game, Kelsey. Thank you so much again. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. I know a lot of you may be new to the Indie Diaries because you may be coming from a lot of different parts of the internet, but I hope I'll have you joining me for this journey because I have so many great things planned for the future and Kelsey was just the beginning so um please follow the show on social media i'm on twitter at the indie diarist that's the only channel where i am right now although that ship may be sinking soon as kelsey said herself um but also now as you've heard at the beginning of the episode there is a discord server for the indie diarist and you can join it by going to the and clicking on the invite link so lastly if you are an indie game developer yourself or if you're someone who thinks would be a great fit for this podcast please get in touch i'm always looking for new and amazing guests to feature on the show who have an interesting story to tell because that's what i do here at the indie diarist i like to bring to light the stories the human stories behind the indie games we all love so until next time guys i'll speak to you in the next indie diarist episode